Hello and welcome to the Autism in Real Life podcast. In each episode, you'll get practical strategies by taking a journey into the joys and challenges of life with autism. I'm your host, Ilya Walsh, and I'm an educator and the parent of two young adults, one of which is on the autism spectrum. Join me as I share my experience and the experiences of others so that we may see the unique gifts and talents of individuals on the autism spectrum fully recognized. everyone and welcome. This is Ilya with the Spectrum Strategy Group and I welcome you all today. I'm very happy I have Jacqueline Johnson here with me and she is the author of the First Gifts of Autism as well as the parent of three children, two of which are, well, a set of twins um, that both have uh, an ASD diagnosis. So um, welcome. And I know you're an author and have done other work. And so um, if you want to just introduce yourself real quick and give people and our listeners a little bit of background, that'd be great. Well, my name is Jacqueline Johnson, and I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm a wife and mother of three teenagers. Um, One is neurotypical, meaning that she does not have autism. And then my twins are 14. So they're big girls now. And um, I consider myself to be an invaluable source of encouragement for not only (laughs) parents, but therapists, as well as autistic individuals to sort of bridge that gap. So thank you for having me. Uh, Excellent. Yes. Yeah, no, thank you for being here. I know um, you're you're one of my gem finds on um, on Instagram, and you know just started seeing what you were posting. And uh, again, it was very inspirational, also very real, <laughs> and I could resonate with a lot of what you were posting. So I was like, oh, I have to find out who this post, who this person is. Let's what's happening here. Uh, and then to learn that you um, had written a book specifically about autism mm-hmm. um, it, of sorts. And I was like, oh, wow, what is that? I have to read that. And so, uh, yes, I, I moved through your book very quickly because I was it was um, it was fun and it was inspiring. And uh, also pretty raw uh, <laughs> and and real, and so I'd I'd really love to get into that a little bit um, if that works for you. Great, great, excellent. So uh, yeah, so what? So what? I guess the first question is: um, the book is written with a unique spin on it, and I guess we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but you know, what was the catalyst for? Just for just writing, to so just writing this, because I know you're an author of of, of other right yeah, fiction mm-hmm. books, mm-hmm. right? Well, I'm, I write fiction, and I was attempting to um, write another fiction book about relationships and those sorts of things, but I found that I kept inserting all these autistic kids into <laughs> my relationship books, and I realized like you're not going to be able to write about the things you normally write about until you get this story out about autism. I just needed to get the story out, and in the process, um, the spin that I put on it is that I personified autism because for parents, the way that we experience autism um, in our children it can feel very real. Like there is actually um, a person there. It's there when you wake up in the middle of the night and that's your first thought. That was at least my first thought that, you know, I would wake up and go, the kids have autism. And it was the equivalent of autism literally sitting at the foot of my bed. So there is no time, there is no place where I was away from autism. Even if I wasn't with my children, autism was still so present in my family's life. So I figured, you know, I just personify autism and make it easy to be able to see. And I hope I achieve that throughout the story. Yeah, you you definitely do. And I, I think it's almost like as you're as you were just saying it now, I felt like you just called you just called them out, actually. You're like, all right, 
I'm calling you out right now. Like you're here <laughs> and I see you um, and we need to, let's just, let, let's figure out how to work together. That's kind of how I feel uh-huh. about it. Like, like when you present the character in there. Definitely. Definitely. He's there. And then, you know, you have that, um, there's sometimes with parents, there's that battle at the beginning because this is strange and new. And so, you know, in the book, the character's like, hey, you've got to go. And autism's like, no, I'm not going anywhere. And it's like, okay, we'll see. And he's like, yeah, we'll see. And so just that battle ensues. <laughs> that battle ensues, you know. And then after that, um, there are events that occur in the book that help the mom see that autism is not here to just completely disrupt your life um, and mess things up for you and the way that you envision how your children's lives would be. It's here to assist you. And so instead of wrestling with autism all the time, sit down and get an understanding of what's going on because this is a lifelong situation. Right. And so when you say, you know, that, um, that autism isn't there just to, and I'm going to be frank in my conversation here is that autism is not just there to piss you off right. and be frustrating <laughs> for you. What, what, what else, right? Like what else does it bring to the table? Because I mean, your book is called the first gifts of autism, mm-hmm. but, but what else did it bring to the table? You know, especially for you and for the, I mean, I know for the characters in the book as well. Well, you know, there's this feeling of loneliness that I think a lot of parents can relate to. And in a society where we're encouraged to keep up with our peers and, you know, we feel like we've fallen behind, which will trigger feelings of abandonment because as parents, many of us have our own unresolved issues and autism will expose all of that. So this is truly a process. The parent has to grow. And that's what I, I, um, I point that out a lot in the book, that this is not just about getting your kid to conform. Uh, or to appear um, indistinguishable. You know, Mm. this is about the parent changing as well. And that's where the struggle comes in. The mom's like, no, you have to leave. And then she recognizes the fact that she's going to have to bend. It's not just about the kiddos always bending. The Mm. parent has a responsibility to be as flexible as the child is expected to. Right. And, you know, that's something that... um we hear often come up, which is, you know, we, we spend so much time, whether it's in the school setting or whether it's at home or outside therapies, or I don't know, the list goes on trying to let's put in quotes, fix what some of the challenges Uh are. We try to, you know, have our kids learn what, society expects. Uh-huh. We try to, you know, we don't want them to stand out. We don't want them to get picked on. We want them to lead a life that we think is, you know, whatever normal <laughs> is. Um, and I think it's a really good thing to recognize that, well, wait a minute, that's, I don't think that's what the lesson is here. I agree with you. I think it's different. Yes, definitely. I mean, it's not just about the kids. <laughs> Autism comes to an entire family. Autism is there to teach grandma how to break her old habits and her parenting. Autism, uh, right. uh, it impacts the father. <laughs> it impacts the mother because, you know, with the story, you see that the father's approach is completely different from the mother's approach. And she becomes frustrated because she has in her mind this, you know, right. recovery is supposed to look this way. You guys are having way too much fun. So, you know, it impacts the entire <laughs> it impacts the entire family. It's not just about this kid changing. Right, right. And I know, um, you know, I think there are some pages in this book that I have like highlighted all all over the place <laughs> um, because there's some things that were so mm-hmm. moving for me, um, but when one of the things you say in here is uh, there, there was no way that I could advocate or petition for acceptance from anyone else in the world when I could not fully accept my child, autism and all. Um, 
that's like a hugely powerful statement because a lot of us parents, I will include myself in there. It's like, no, we need to work towards acceptance and we need to work towards understanding and you need to see it through my, you know, through what my experience is. But there's always, or, or, you know, I think until like you, you were saying, build through some of these, uh, grow yourself as a parent, um, you're stuck in that accept my kid the way they are, but we're still, we're still trying to figure it out. I think. Yes. We are, we are the ones who are trying to, um, tuck away behaviors, you know, um, because we're so afraid of standing out ourselves. Mm -hmm. We have to be okay with being different. There's no way we can empower them to be different. If we're terrified of the very thing we're urging our children to do, it doesn't even make sense when you think about it. Right. Right. No, you're right. And, and I guess part of it is, you know, what's that, what's that model for them, right? Like, so, you know, if, if we're living out of fear, then in some ways we're, we're modeling the fear piece of it. Definitely. And then the anxiety becomes contagious and the expectation is for them not to be anxious when we embody so much anxiety. It's ironic. And we don't, we're not, because we're not aware of ourselves and our position in this uh, journey, that it's not just about, you know, the child. We take our children to therapists to, you know, get them to be more flexible. Um, but we're not taking ourselves through the changes that we need to go through in order to properly support our children. We didn't just appear this way prepared. I know I didn't. Like I said, my first daughter is neurotypical. So, you know, my husband and I, you know, we had expectations that, you know, we did this great job. This first one, oh, this, these next two are going to be a cakewalk. And then, <laughs> surprise. <laughs> so, you know, we had to learn a lot about ourselves. Right. And our right. parenting style had to be different from our, you know, our parents. That's why I say it impacts the whole family, grandmother, grandfather, you know, the aunts and uncles, everybody has to be flexible and things that we've done before, pathology that is in our family, patterns of uh, discipline and how we express love, all of that is exposed. Autism will expose it all. Right. And, and you're right. I never thought of it that way, but we never have the, there's no playbook uh, for us as, I mean, there's no playbook for parenting in general, but there is none, there is nothing out there that says, oh, and then when, you know, you find out your child, um, is not the same as Mm -hmm. other kids, what what do you do now? And how do you build in resiliency and how do you build in the skill base to be able to support them the way they need to be supported? Because that is, that's huge. It's like the equivalent of saying to a child, you know, um, you're great, you know, even though you're different, you're great and you get out there and tackle the world and, and you don't really believe it because that difference makes you uncomfortable in the grocery store when they're hand flapping. You know what I mean? That difference makes you uncomfortable when, um, Mm -hmm. you're with your peers and their children are sitting together. So you can't expect our children. We, we can't expect our children to do more than we're able to do. We're the example. So it begins with us. Got to dig deep. We've got to examine ourselves and how we feel about autism in order to empower them. Right. And I think that's part of the isolation is that other people Mm -hmm. don't understand what, what we're experiencing. Friends don't understand um, you know, family oftentimes as supportive as they try mm-hmm. to be, <laughs> sometimes don't understand. Um, and, and so it's almost like you become not just an advocate, but you're also mm-hmm. an educator, right? You're like educating everybody around yes. you. Yes. And then that's a struggle for some families because people aren't open to learning. A lot of families are not open to learning. And so that leaves the parents feeling even more isolated. Right. Right. Yeah, definitely. And so, um, you know, I think the other the other piece in not just being isolated, but also, well, being isolated, sometimes, you know, we kind of focus so much on what needs to get done. And I know you said in the in the book, the cat, the the mother and father have very Mm -hmm. different approaches to managing. Um, But but sometimes that that 
act alone, like if mom and dad, um, you know, or parents are not aligned, um, that's one challenge by itself. Yes, a lot of dads um, can sometimes be in denial initially, and then the mother has to um, sort of take the steering wheel mm-hmm. in the beginning. I I'm grateful that my husband was able to focus on like the characters stated in the book, you know, these are happy kids. And I think autism is really harder for us than it is for them. They're happy kids and it's nothing better than happy kids. And he always said that Mm -hmm. and he kept that, um, that attitude. So that helped balance out, you know, the seriousness because I took a very serious approach. Like, no, like I said, (laughs) you guys having way too much fun. This is not the way. I envisioned this would go. Like, let's get serious. <laughs> Enough with the the shadow puppets and the video games. <laughs> but he was just enjoying his children, and he understood that. Certain well, yeah. Things, certain things didn't require language, like high right. fives or, or you know, just love and enjoying yourself, and just making sure that your child has joy. Yeah, and I, I, you have in here too. Like, what's well, it's actually something you wrote about that, you know, um, that he, you know, not, and again, this is the dad character in the book, but, um, like, you know, it was shadow puppets and then it was coloring contests and talent shows (laughs) and video games. And that, you know, the, the spasmodic movements were referred to as like the eighties dance craze, like break dancing. Um, and, and that like the mom gets very frustrated, uh, and, that he, you know, the dad's not taking this stuff seriously uh-huh. enough. And however, the observation and I think the growth for this character is, um, but he is simply enjoying uh-huh. our children, right? Like in the moment, no matter who they are and where they're at. Uh-huh. And that's just, that's beautiful. I have like this big spirally <laughs> highlight around that. And yeah, because, you know, I work with families and, and, you know, as I said, I mean, I, it's, it's, it can be so challenging. We get so stuck that sometimes we have to pause, Mm -hmm. right. And say, whoa, let's just, let's just enjoy, you know, what we have right in front of us. Let's enjoy being with our kids. Let's like sit, things just got a little crazy. Let's just sit and watch movies and have ice cream. Like, I don't know. Like, it's just, we forget, I think, to take that step away. Yes. We think that things are supposed to look a certain way. Society has trained us all, I think. And we think that we're supposed to experience our children a certain way. Um, I know with my husband, you know, he really looked forward to having kids and so, the fun is what he thought about in advance, like how much fun, you know, he would have and how he would enjoy his children. (laughs) And so it's good to keep that perspective and not always um, make the child feel like there's something that needs to be fixed because this will become what they think of themselves. They're always aware, even if they're not communicating. And if all you bring to the table is worry, if all you bring to the table is that there are shortcomings that child will begin to ingest that. And this is how they will begin to see themselves. So it's very important to create the balance where, hey, you are fully capable of having fun. And I'm here to have fun with you because I love you. Hmm. Right. No, that's that's beautiful. And I think that the other piece to that is also not just um, looking at yeah, yes, let's let's have fun together. But, you know, the other flip side also of this isolation piece, um, aside from maybe parents having, you know, different views and approaches, is also how we connect with the, those that are around us. I know um, the character in the book has a, a good friend who's often encouraging her to, why don't you just go on a trip or why don't you go out and like take care of yourself, right? So so the, the flip side of, you know, yes, let's have fun with our kids and let's not always make this a project mm-hmm. is what about ourselves as parents too, right? Like how do we take care of ourselves and nurture ourselves? Because we are, I think, uh, somewhere I know you've said, and I think we've chatted before about it, is being always in this, um, uh, my experience of being a parent 
looks very different than someone else's. And, you know, it's almost all consuming sometimes where you, you forget that, oh, wait, I'm an individual. I also, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. a wife and I have <laughs> other children. <laughs> so, right. It can get a little bit, me- you know, messy, I think in that yes, way. Definitely. We have to take time to um, make it about ourselves. Sometimes the main character had trouble doing that. And her friend, Zaria was very um, helpful in that sense, but she felt, even though she was being encouraged, she felt isolated because she didn't understand her concern. She couldn't relate. And the character admits that, you know, I can't relate, but you still need to take Mm. care of yourself. That doesn't change the fact that you are a person. And sometimes parents forget all about that. You know, some just make it about right, I have to right. get because life, you know, you hear all the time, life is so short. I don't know what will happen. So I have to make sure that my child is okay. If anything happens to me, there's plenty of time for me to take a trip to the spa or to get a manicure. I've got to get this kid talking. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And, and it's funny because I, I've had this conversation with other people about self-care and sometimes self-care, right, is not is it might not just be that manicure. It might be, you know, I need to take a drive in the car for like <laughs> 20 minutes by myself so that so that I have some quiet, you know, or listen to my own music, not like whatever the kids want to uh-huh. listen to or, you know, whatever. Um and sometimes it can be these really simple simple things that can be helpful. Um, to kind of refill your cup because I think our cups get depleted a little bit, a little bit more quickly. Yes. And if there is a marriage (laughs) to consider, um, what about your parents to assist as they're getting older? You know, there are various things that are pulling our attention. You know, if people Mm -hmm. have to work, um, you have to balance all of that. And it's no way that we can give to everything if we don't make ourselves important in this journey. Right. And I think other people will tend to also forget because a lot of times, and again, this is just my experience, you know, and, and working with other people too, is if you take everything on yourself, most people will have let you have it. Like, oh, you got that. Okay. Go for it. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. They definitely will. They definitely will. And then the person feels depleted at the end. And and then there's the feeling of abandonment. Like you knew I couldn't take all that on and you let me do it anyway. And and so you have all these different emotions that are building because you right. wanted to be a superwoman. And that's just not possible. Right. No, no, no. I mean, as much as, you know, that that seems to be like a thing that people talk about. Yeah, I don't I don't really want that role. <laughs> I remember um, a while back, my uh, my mother-in-law said to me, um, oh my gosh, she's like, you're amazing. You're like this workhorse. And I know she meant that in a, in a like she was being complimentary and she didn't mean anything by it. I, I love her to death. So I, I get it. But I was like, I, it kind of sank in at that moment. Like, is that what I want people to remember about right. me? <laughs> right. I don't think so. I don't, I don't, right. I don't think I want that. Uh, so I had to start changing my behavior, um, and kind of allowing for more of the fun, spontaneous, um, and not getting all the things done. Right. Cause most of the time they didn't get all done anyway. So <laughs> like, I don't know who I was trying to kid, but, but it, Right. Like letting things slide anyway, but purposely, maybe purposely letting things go by the way. Because tomorrow will be here. It's going to show up anyway. So, you know, and our kids need a mom, not a martyr. Uh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I, I need I we need to make shirts. That's a shirt. <laughs> it says I need a mom, not a martyr. Oh, my gosh. I they love really that. Do. I really they love really that. Do because they're depending on us to to show them how to create balance. So that's what I mean by um, going into the situation with anxiety or um, just our own unresolved issues and expecting to be an example of how not to be anxious. <laughs> that's backward. That It doesn't work that way. 
we have to be the example. So you have to create balance in order to teach the child how to have balance. Right, right. So it's interesting, you know, as we're getting to this particular part of the conversation, because one other thing you talk about um, is, you know, when we're talking about being a role model, so you're saying like specifically like being anxious. Um, another Another piece is if we want to, teach our kids about self-awareness and Mm self-advocacy, right? Um, You write this in here. Uh, One thing I've learned, it is that like anyone else, you can't make a person, an autistic person do anything. And what happens and what happens when they no longer uh, are intimidated by your tactics more often than not, they'll immediately seek out mm-hmm. <laughs> um, a, an option that was being withheld without fully understanding the caregiver's intentions. Or once they're accustomed to not having options, they will probably assume that the rest of the world operates in this manner. You'll have unconsciously taught them boundaries and put them inside an invisible box where they will only have access to what is available. And how exactly does one chase a dream inside an invisible box? And even now in reading that, I, uh, I get a little teary because I see, I see that happening. And we're not talking about creating healthy boundaries here. We're talking about creating yes. limitations, I feel, sometimes. Yes, we, we carry a lot. I think that's a natural thing when you become a parent. You know, we have a lot of fear we're afraid, you know, and then the minute something is different about your baby, that's amplified, I think, in a lot of parents. And so the concern is that, um, you know, what happens when my baby goes into the world? But like I said, fear, anxiety, they're all contagious. And to think that this child is sitting here oblivious to what you're feeling because they're not able to communicate. Or even if they're not simply looking at you, that's not true. They're aware. They can feel everything. They know when you worry about them. And the character um, was shown that as she didn't know that her daughter was capable of communicating. And then when she's going up on the, um, the monkey bars at the park and she's worried about her. And then she turns around and she's like, I'll be okay. Not only did they not know that she was able to line words up like that, but for the child (laughs) to encourage the parent to calm down. So the irony in that, (laughs) the irony of the child going, I'll be okay. And the, the, the main character's like, I mean, I didn't even know this kid could say that. So the potential was always there. And just because the child is not (laughs) looking at you because they're not able to communicate everything that they're thinking, they are aware of you. They're aware of your fear, your worry, your anxiety. They pick up on it and it's contagious. And you are bringing the anxiety and a lot of the problems to the situation. So we've got to get comfortable. This is where we are. This is what we're doing. This is my baby's struggle. And this is how I plan to support them effectively. But worry, anxiety, is it's contagious. And it's not right. good for anybody. Nobody can grow under those sort of circumstances. And it's really unfair to even ask right. our children to. We've got to calm down. That's step one. Calm down. You will be divinely supported. But you have to calm down. <laughs> so- Uh, I I really, I appreciate that because I think, you know, even now as a parent of, well, you have, you know, teenagers, Mm -hmm. I have young adults, that, that same fear Mm -hmm. kicks in, right? It becomes this, um, you know, again, it's that anxiety and then you project, but, but it's, yes, my, my children now are also at the point where they could say, you know, calm down. (laughs) It's fine. Look, you got me this far. I'm good. I got it. I got it. Um, and I would say, you know, I was about to ask you, like, what would you say your, you know, the, the gifts are? Like, if we were going to outline the gifts, I would say one of them is 
is that ability for kids to, for us to recognize that the, the kids will also, like you said, they can hear us. They understand they're communicating and they're always taking mm-hmm. information. And when they reach that place to say, you know, kind of like step <laughs> off, you know, like I'm good. I can, I can do this or let me try. Like, let me try at least. <laughs> yes. And how can you deny a child when they say, let me try? <laughs> how can you deny that? You have to just calm down right. and trust that. But the thing is, is when you know that you've put certain things in there, then you don't have to worry as much. So that's why I always urge parents, I get it. You're afraid. You're nervous. However, this is why it's time to do the work. Start doing the work now. If they're not able to communicate, you need to do everything you can to help them be able to do that. And then you won't have as much anxiety and you won't project that off to them because then when they become 19, for example, and they go out into the world, you're going to be their inner voice. You need that inner voice to be strong and empowering and knowing that they are capable of anything they dream. So the work starts when they're young, because when they get older and and we're not there to be in that class, in that college course or, you know, or meeting new friends with them, you know, we're not going to be able to hold their hands the whole time. What is that inner voice going to say? So train yourself. What would you want that inner voice to say? To say, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Or would you want that inner voice to say, I can do this. I've done other things before and remind them of their accomplishments. Remember when you did this thing right here? You were amazing, and I was so proud of you. And remember when you did that thing right there? So that will become the inner voice that will equip them to be able to handle different situations if we're not here or if we're just not present, say, in a college course or something like that. Yeah, I think that's also... um... That's an important piece. I, I, I like your example there, like the social the social example, because I think that's sometimes a lot of struggle, especially as we get into those teens and early, um, you know, early young adult kind of age. And to have, to, it's funny, you're talking about like that inner dialogue mm-hmm. that we all have mm-hmm. uh, and we're all working on, you know, all doing the work. I actually wrote down, like, do the work. And, and some of it is we, we're kind of previewing that inner voice mm-hmm. for them in, in, in what you're saying, where we're going to plant those seeds in there. We're going to plant the positive, um, the positive mantras, the positive reinforcers and um, all of the you know, strengths and all of the accomplishments. We're, we're going to like plant those, but more consciously even than what we think we would normally do. Definitely. Definitely. We just have to be aware of ourselves. And I think the problem is that, you know, when you get that diagnosis or even if you suspect something is different, the spotlight goes to who? The kiddo. And we don't put ourselves in the spotlight to see what we're bringing to the situation. Mm -hmm. So we have to share the spotlight, the whole family. Like I said, it's not just mom and dad not just the children, the siblings, grandma, aunt and uncle, extended cousins. Everybody has to be aware in order to effectively support this individual. It's a family deal. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, um, you know, I, I wonder in that thinking, I know, you know, it's funny, I've not, it, interestingly enough, we've never really talked about it in that way. I have not talked about it that way with other people, but um, I'm, I'm making like this little jump here right now. If we look at all of these types of um, the documents we create and all these plans and things that we do, uh, you know, it actually, there are places in those documents that talk about community involvement and community mm-hmm. support. And I often think we don't uh, we don't look at those as strongly as we could. And I remember this one example someone mentioned when we were talking about creating a transition plan. And we were saying, oh, you know, this the the kid has an uncle that owns a farm and and this kid loves animals. Like maybe we can have this kid work on the uncle's farm with the animals. And like, that might be a way to build some skill and build, be part of the community. And it was like, Oh yeah, that totally makes sense. Like, why don't we do that? 
I, I think we underutilize um, that that power of community, extended family, friends, like all of that. I, sometimes I don't think we think that creatively. That that sounds terrible as I'm no. saying it. The thing is, is that usually when we have children, we have this vision of you know how their lives will go or who we imagine they'll be. But I think it's important. And I put this on um, my page a lot that you are meeting a person, not making a muse. So it's important to note that the talents and gifts that your child has, has already been put inside of them. And it may not be something that is uh, reflective of who you are because they're pulling from a huge gene pool. So they may have a great aunt's talents uh, that you're not familiar with. Mm. And so the plan that you had for their life doesn't fit that. So if they're in, in love with um, roller coasters or, you know, technology or whatever, and you're not into that, you, again, have to be flexible. And it and that's the point of the whole book. You have to be flexible in order to support <laughs> them. Abandon the life that you imagined they should live and be open to meeting this person because their talents and gifts are already there. You're just here to assist them in bringing it out. You're not making a muse. You're meeting a person. That, I again, is another moment where I know we've had a similar conversation in the past, but you hit on something that has been like my whole philosophy around education and working with my own kids personally which is, you know, every every child has a unique set of gifts and talents, and it is our job as educators, so I'll use my education philosophy, <laughs> um, to help them identify those unique gifts and talents and help them remove the obstacles that are around them. And, you know, again, this is yes, one of those moments so where, important. like, I, I knew this is why we had to connect, because I knew we had. <laughs> um, but... But yeah, I think that's just an amazing new perspective uh, to shine on that and, and to really lead with a, a strengths-based approach to just seeing your child for who they are and for what they bring to the table and um, all, the, all the beauty and quirkiness <laughs> and you know thought processes that make up who they are. And um, that's just so... It, and, and, I think you want to say that that's an, like inherently like mm -hmm. obvious, but I don't think it is. <laughs> well, no, because it's unpredictable. You don't know what to expect. So it's better to plan out how you think your child's life will be. It's better to plan out what their mm. education would be and what field they'll go into because of, you know, how much money they'll make or, or the status that it will present in their lives. That's easy to, to, to take the unpredictable route, but autism turns that all over and buries it in the backyard along with the ego that does not work with autism. <laughs> he is not hearing that. He does not want to hear that great uncle Sam was a doctor. He does not care. Who was a dentist? That's simply not what is in the cards for your kid. And you have to be okay with that. It's unpredictable. It's scary. Yes. It's frightening, especially if you're watching your peers, children, you know, just go along and follow, you know, all the steps to that you expected your kid to do. That's fine. But you have got to accept your kid. They will thank you later. They will be so grateful that you are able to let them be who they are, because most kids don't have that freedom and that ability. And autism introduces all of that. The concept of being free. Be free and let your child be free. Let them be who they are. Right. You, yeah, you you talk about in the book the the other uh the sibling of the twins recognizing that um her sisters are able to experience life and joy in a different way. And I think we're kind of touching on that now. And that I mean, I think through the eyes of the neurotypical sibling that the, you know, her, her sisters are able to just be who they are and be free and not have to worry about, you know, the other implications. And 
I, I, that's like a really interesting observation from a young person um, who who is stuck in like the neurotypical expectations that the world has set out for them. Yes, my daughter actually has had that um, perspective. So I pulled it from my actual daughter. And um, because they're so close in age, mm. she's really close in age to her sisters. She's able to... Um, She's able to teach me a lot of things about them that I didn't notice that I wasn't able to see because um, she's a sibling. She's mm-hmm. also been a translator as well because there, there have been a lot of times where I'm like, I have no idea what she just said. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, this, my daughter will come along and go, well, it's simple. <laughs> she just said blah, blah, blah. Or they, or they won't say anything. It's, it's amazing. They won't say anything. And she'll say, you didn't hear that whole conversation. They just had a whole conversation between one another. They just looked at each other. And I'm like, I missed the whole thing. <laughs> but the siblings are amazing. And the way that she viewed them, she always viewed them based on their strengths and their potential. And so they haven't had um, an opportunity to, um, especially not in this house, to feel like, you know, they were extremely different because she's like, oh, no, you made that mess. You're going to clean it up. Like, autism is not an excuse for A, B, or C. <laughs> we're going to get it done. And so and that that helps mm-hmm. them as mm-hmm. they go out into the world because they're reminded that they're capable of so much and that, you know, autism doesn't become a scapegoat for um, bad behavior that they have been allowed to get away with. You know, autism is blamed for so much. And I think it's unfair. You know, sometimes as parents, we don't um, commit to a decision. There are certain things that we do and we teach our children bad habits. And then we blame the autism because it's easy to blame something that's different and uh, unpredictable. But it's not actually fair. We taught those kids that, you know, I won't stick to this uh, commitment and they'll challenge it and they're testing you, but that's any kid. Mm -hmm. So the important thing is not to focus so much on how is my kid different? And I wish they weren't different like this. And then you'll talk to someone with a neurotypical kid and they'll go, yeah, I have to repeat myself too. 6,000 times a day. Yes. (laughs) There are some things that are just universal. (laughs) It's not autism. (laughs) That's just a kid. (laughs) Right. Right. Sometimes it's just a kid, exactly. Um, you know, you and you talk about. I know you and I had talked about um, something unique in your situation, where you have um, twins, and we, we've talked about that isolation piece that some of our kids can face. Uh, but but with your with your situation, the the kind of the situation with them being twins. And there are, there are many people with twins who both are diagnosed mm-hmm. with ASD. So that is a thing. Um, but the, the fact that they're able to have each other uh, was help was like really helpful in them not feeling isolated. You were saying. Definitely. They, um, they had one another and they could create comfort for one another, so to speak. Like they could do verbal stems together, whereas, you know, imagine if a child is is growing up around everybody who is neurotypical, you know, the verbal stems may not be received as well. But imagine if you grow up with someone and you have these verbal stems and maybe everybody doesn't understand it. But this one individual who loves you unconditionally, who you've known your entire life is right there doing them with you and you guys are having a great time. And also, they serve to encourage one another. So mm-hmm. when one grasped a skill, you know, because they were right there together, the other one was interested in getting better at that skill as well. So they helped one another in a lot of ways. Initially, I was thinking, you know, this is going to be a real challenge. Like, it would be one thing if it was just one kid. But now I've got to help you advance and then say, okay, stay right there. Don't lose anything I just taught you. I'm going to run back real quick, get your sister, and then <laughs> catch her up. But don't move. Promise you won't move, you know. And so that was a real challenge. And they're two different people in every regard. You know, my, my husband says they're like the golden girls because they just sit at home and argue all the time. And so they just go back. They never want the same thing. They don't have the same approach to anything. 
You know, if one wants to go out, the other wants to stay in. So they're just different people. But that one, those, that one thing that they had in common was autism and their ability to grow together. And they encouraged one another with that growth because, you know, if one sees the other, they use a new word and the response, because we would always, you know, whenever they used a new word, it was, oh my goodness, you know, it was a big deal. And so every kid wants love. Everyone, every kid Mm -hmm. wants to surprise mom and dad, you know, so this is something that the other one would aspire to do. And they had one another as they walked through this. Just doing their little auditory stems and learning together and living this autistic life. Oh, so what a beautiful gift they had of, with each other. I mean, aside from you and supportive family and a supportive uh-huh. sibling, um, you know, I, I, I often can never stress enough how critical all of that um, support, even if, you know, even if you have no idea what you're doing and you have no idea what all of this, you know, craziness is going to bring to you, um, just being open and flexible, like you've said, and just honoring who they are as people. Uh-huh. Uh, and again, what gifts and talents they have. I mean, that's, that's kind of the, I think that's like the meat, the meat of it. All the other stuff will kind of, um, I don't know, fall into place, you hope. Yeah, it definitely will fall into place. You know, I think sometimes because kids aren't as verbal, you know, we see them as like this empty vessel to be filled. They're not an empty empty vessel. Even kids who are silent Mm. have so much. The talents and gifts are in there. It's just your job and your responsibility to bring them out. But they're not just empty. That's why I say they're listening. They're aware. They, uh, They can feel your worry, your concern. And they can feel when you believe in them. So it's so important, the energy that we bring. Everybody involved needs to be flexible. Yeah. And and that point of you need to believe in them, right? We need to put uh, all of our other, um, you know, filters and fear and anxieties aside and just believe in them. And uh, I love how you say, you know, you said earlier, uh, you'd be divinely guided. I, I totally feel like things happen for a reason. And, you know, we find tools and people and all sorts of different things that present themselves um, usually when we need them most. So yeah, I felt like um, Alice in Wonderland. I mean, I always felt, I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea, but it would literally be a situation where I'm up at four in the morning, I'm worried. And then I'll come across a website or something, you know, this was back before, you know, Instagram and Facebook was having, you know, support groups and all that. It was just fishing in the internet. And I would literally like come across things and I would know this is the next step. Okay. You're going to go to this corner. There's going to be a man with purple hat, green shoes. He's going to give you a piece of paper. Take that map. (laughs) Take that to the vitamin (laughs) store. The lady in the in the blue wheelchair will tell you where to go next. So it was just, you know, it's a journey. It's like a scavenger hunt. It's a it's a journey. <laughs> and you have to be open to the journey. That, <laughs> that is true. It does feel like uh, the what you're describing reminds me of like a television show, you know, where it's like the scavenger hunt. Um I can't name the show here, but it's basically just, you know, they just go on this journey. Like, yes, just meet this person and then they'll give you the yeah. next set of instructions. You're not ready for the next set of instructions. So you have to wait until we can give them to you. And you then, don't know everything. Then you'll be ready and then go next. Do the next yeah, thing. Yeah, and for somebody like me, I like all <laughs> of the, the instructions. Just give me everything. And then I'll work it out. And it, it wasn't like that. I had to be flexible. I had to get out of my comfort zone. <laughs> and I had to be okay with not knowing what was coming next, but believing. So your faith is strengthened through this process. There are so many gifts that you will get, but you've got to calm down and you've got to be flexible and let the child lead you. Because like I said, they're, they're not an empty vessel. They have so much inside of them and it's your job to bring it out. But you can't do that with anxiety and fear and and your ego. You can't do that. And autism will help them. Autism will bury all of that right. in the backyard. Right. 
<laughs> well, I love I love the image, and I think I think what I would like to do is kind of summarize with the image of autism is going to bury all of your like your checklists and all of your like preconceived notions and just bury them in the backyard because they they don't they're not relevant Mm-mm. anymore. They won't serve you at all. They'll only serve to get in the way and slow you down. Right. So I think you know that to me, as you say that, that is the that is the biggest gift. Uh, of growth in, you know, getting rid of all of your preconceived notions and plans. And um, I feel like this book is, uh, and and just listening to you. So anyone who, (laughs) who hasn't followed you on Instagram, um, or, you know, are you on Facebook too? I I don't have you there, but um, you have so much uh, insight and wisdom. I don't visit Facebook as much. I really reside on Instagram. <laughs> I'm a visual person. Me so too. I reside on Instagram. Yeah, mostly. yeah, that's why that's, <laughs> I visit Facebook. That's why from time I'm time. there. So so what's um what I forget your your uh your handle on uh Instagram. It's the first gift of autism. It is the first gift of autism mm-hmm. and you are super inspiring and very insightful and Thank you. Um, Thank you. very funny. And <laughs> you call out a lot of things that we're all feeling. And I love it. I really love it. And definitely please pick up, uh, pick up the book. It's uh, on Amazon. So unless there's another place that people can also get that. Right now you can get it on Amazon. I've also been offering autographed copies. So you can go to my Instagram page and it'll be right there in the profile. PayPal me at Privy Books and you can get autographed copies from me personally. Amazon has it in ebook and it also has it in paperback. So if you like to actually flip the pages, then you can get either one. I'm trying to accommodate both because I personally like to flip pages. Me too. And that's what I did. I flipped through them. I folded them. I highlighted them. I put, you know, I put all sorts of things in there. Yeah, that's the best way to console. I need a physical book too, uh, even though I'm okay. (laughs) Well, thank you very much for being with me today. Um, This was really a pleasure. And uh, I look forward to more uh, of what you have to offer. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Autism in Real Life. This is Elia Walsh, and if you like the show, please hit subscribe so you can get notified each time a new episode is released. I also offer training, consultations, and parent coaching, and would love to help you in any way that I can. You can check out my offerings at thespectrumstrategy.com, and when you join my email list, you can get a code to receive a discount off of an online class or a coaching session. Looking forward to hearing from you. Take care and see you next time.